I'm Arya Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we're talking mock drafts. our show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w one announcement before we get going on this show uh for all of our patreon subscribers this is a uh breaking news if you will we will be doing a live stream of the draft with a few of our notable voices from windsider so you can see all of our reactions live uh parental advisory there probably will be swearing involved so you know, just be aware of that. All right, on to today's show. Today we have a special guest, the mastermind behind Windsider's mock drafts, B. Terrell. Now this episode, we're going to do something a little bit unique. We're going to look through a variety of mock drafts uh, that everyone's doing throughout the uh, the W Twitter sphere, if you'll call it that. Um, and then also look at what the teams need. And so it's going to be a variety of what they need paired with uh, what the teams or what uh, the the minds have been saying that these teams are going to go for. So let's hop right in. We're going to start off in draft order for the first round. The New York Liberty on the clock. Now, when you ask me what do the New York Liberty need, I can jokingly say everything. But I mean, this team is a giant question mark. You have a new coach, a relatively new GM. You you can argue and say that they need to fill the guard spot. But I would say, eh, you could really fill any spot. Um, There's a lot of question marks with this team. I'm curious, Rachel, on your take, what's something that New York needs? And then talk to me about who you're hearing they're taking. Because I heard heard there's a big question mark on who they might take with the first pick. (laughs) Um, Well, first and foremost, I think when it comes to New York, you're exactly right. It is a big question mark in terms of how is Walt going to really build this team. I think there's a, there's still a massive question mark with Tina Charles and what her future holds. Um, it's kind of fallen under the radar, but um, you know, I, we could talk about the first round pick. We talk about Sabrina Ionescu. Obviously I think everybody in the world is betting that that's the direction they're going to go. Sabrina's phenomenal triple double queen. She's um, not only talented enough, but you know, she's got the competitive mindset, uh, that Mamba mentality, if you will, not to mention, you know, she's, she's single-handedly taking women's basketball to the next level in terms of popularity. Um, So if you're the New York Liberty, I, I mean, I don't know how you pass up on her. Uh, I think there's a pretty major consensus with that. However, I do think it's important to note that her teammate, Satu Sabali, is extremely talented. And I, I, I'm going to go ahead and just say on record that there is an argument for her to be taken at number one. Now, do I think that'll happen? No. But in terms of body-ready frame, uh, versatility, um, um, we're talking about the ceiling and potential in the WNBA and translating into the league. I mean, we're going to get, we're going to get into her here in a little bit. And I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that. But um, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that New York is going to go with Sabrina. They should. Um, She's, she's clearly the number one draft pick. Um, But in terms of what they need, 
I think there's a lot of question marks with that. It's hard to answer that question. I think they need assets. They need as much talent, uh, young talent, because I think they're going to build, um, they're going to build young and work their way up. So you're talking about versatility pieces, assets across the board. Uh, but you know, obviously you get a player like Sabrina Ionescu. That's a, that's a phenomenal player to build around. Well, I, I would even argue real quick, and then I want, I want Brandon's take, but I, I would even argue that as far as fit for this team and what this team needs, Sable might be the better fit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think it, there's a huge question mark when it comes to Tina Turtles. Uh, we're talking about the interior presence that you have, the versatility um, from the three, four, five standpoint. Um, I don't know which way they're going to go. We've got Asia Durr on the, on the, the team who is only going to be entering in her, her sophomore season. So she's um, a very key player you can build around. Uh, but no, I agree with you. That's a, that's a great point. Brandon, what you thinking, man? You know, I absolutely uh, feel the same exact way. Um, it, when 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 she declared that was like okay what do you know what's going to happen i do feel like um like rachel said you know you how do you pass up on sabrina um what she does for the game what she brings and i mean she she's able to find the open teammate no matter where you are on the floor and when you have those type of floor runners like you know the guards and the wing players currently on um, the Liberty, you know, she, that she's able to create shots for them, but you know, with the future kind of being like uncertain with Tina, you know, is Satu a player that you may, you know, want to consider. And I'll take it a step further. I've seen a lot of comments. What will, will Carter be the one that fits that New York mentality more than Sabrina or Satu? And now that could honestly throw a chink in the chain, if you will. Um, you know, of course, you know, New York's legendary for their parks. And, you know, Carter seems like someone who would embrace that type of environment. And, you know, that whole street ball persona, you know, bringing that to, you know, they're playing there in Barclays. Is that someone who, I guess, will be able to thrive in a system with, you know, current guards, Kia Nurse, um, Asia Durr? Or like you said, is it about fit right now, which I think Satu is the better fit. But then I guess the best overall player is Sabrina. So it's like you have a lot of decisions to make right now. Do you go for now? Do you go for the future? Um, do you like kind of rebrand yourself? Yeah, it's an interesting aspect of the draft that a lot of people overlook that, you know, not picking in the top four might actually be a benefit in sometimes because you don't have to, the, the pressure is not as high on you to make that proper pick. You look at teams a little bit further down in the draft. I mean, well, Dallas is everywhere on this, on the first round of this draft, but teams such as Minnesota who can kind of say, okay, these are our top players. And if somebody who we think is a, a great player who might not fit necessarily into our, our team currently, but is that level, we're going to take them. And, and you can do that without necessarily having that huge downside of, busting a number one or a number two pick. That being said, let's move on to Dallas with the number two pick. What do they need? Uh, if you ask me, Dallas is an interesting one because they have like a fourth or a third of the of the, the picks in this first round. But the interesting part about them is if, if you think about what they need, it's they need a name um, or they could be looking for kind of a step up, a level up in a few of these positions that they have good players. I'm not trying to, you know, knock any of the players on their roster currently, but I think it's definitely possible that you could get a younger or maybe a bit of a bit of a more experienced seasoned vet to fill that role and do a better job. Now, 
when you look at this draft, I think Dallas is kind of facing two options. Either they go through this draft, picking all the players that they think are the best available at that time and possibly trading away a few of them, or they look at it in a situation of kind of playing spoiler for the teams behind them in the draft and say, hey, we know Indiana, you know, Indiana wants this player. I don't think it will necessarily work for their first pick when you're looking at the few of their different picks. We know this team after us wants this player. We're going to draft them and try and use that as trade bait. And that would be a very interesting move uh, for Greg or for Agler to be making. And I think probably the proper and business-like move. Brandon, talk to me about what you think Dallas, uh, who Dallas is looking for. I feel like if... (laughs) They're going to go with the best player available. But um, like you said, um, I really do think that dra- uh, Dallas stockpiling all of these picks, they are going to be making some moves. Um, I feel like with uh, Vegas not having a pick until the third round, for some reason I have a strong feeling that, you know, they could be drafting some picks for the Aces. I'm not exactly sure who um, Bill and Cole could be looking at in the draft, um, but, you know, they, they they lost some pieces from their team last year. I think right as of now they're down to about eight players on the team and on their roster currently. And so I feel like they don't need it. If Dallas were to pick anyone, it would be Satu if she's available at two. Um, that's a, a major upgrade. And then going on further, they have a few more pieces that they're able to work out and once again, continue to draft not only for themselves, but for other players, because they pretty much have each position covered from one to five. And I guess when you get to the four and five positions, they have like two or three each. Yeah, they, I mean, that that roster has has a lot of depth. I won't say that, you know, they're the deepest team. They're all, but I, I, I think what you're getting at, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is they have a lot of players kind of in that same wheelhouse of, of, of skill set. Uh, and right. they don't necessarily have someone who jumps out on the roster and says, this person is by far, you know, the best. At the, you know, they, they, they just have a lot of players in that same uh, space. Rachel, what are your thoughts about Dallas? I love your point about Dallas drafting for a potential trade. We, we obviously know that they have a ton of picks. I think we probably get into that conversation with the fifth, uh, with the fifth pick. I think with the second pick, you've got to go with, with how talented this draft is. Um, you've you've got to, you, you, this is someone that is going to remain with your franchise. You're going to continue to build around. And it comes down to Lauren Cox or Satu. And I know that's been the big debate that that's mm. going to be the big question mark as to do you keep kind of the the Baylor, Texas um, kind of uh, mentalities, you know, staying there in Dallas? Or do you go with Satu, you know, who, who declared and is definitely going to shake up this draft board? I think in my opinion, if I'm the Dallas Wings, there's no way you can pass up on Satu. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of echoing what I said, said after New York. I mean, this is arguably a first round draft pick and, and in some people's minds could be and should be. So I, I just don't know how you pass up a player like that. Um, nothing against Lauren Cox. It, she, she's a phenomenal player. She can stretch the floor. She can play at any different um Really, I mean, she can score it from anywhere on the floor. I do think she has some injury question marks there, but um, she still was able to, you know, finish off this season or the remainder of the season, and and she played phenomenal down the stretch. So I just think, you know, it's nothing against Lauren Cox, but when you're looking at the league, you're looking at what it takes to win a WNBA championship. Sabali is the type of player that um, you just cannot pass up. So if I'm Dallas, that's who I'm going with for sure. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're kind of all on the same page with that one. Let's move on to the third pick in the 2020 draft, the Indiana Fever. Now, if you ask me what the Indiana Fever need, 
it's you need to pair a big with McCown. Now, I've talked for years, literally years, about how badly Indiana has needed a true big and how that would change this franchise in ways that, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but in ways that even Tina Charles was not able uh, to, sorry, not Tina Charles, Tamika Catchings, <laughs> was not able to change this franchise in. And and I don't mean in the way of, if any of these players are going to be able to do what Catchings did for this, this franchise, but in the way that they always lacked that. And unless you have one of the greatest players of all time in Tamika Catchings, who is making up for that lack, you're going to have that issue. So for me, it's someone who they can pair with McCowan, and I'm pretty sure we're all talking about Lauren Cox. Mm -hmm. So uh, Brandon, talk to me about that a little bit. Lauren Cox is basically to echo what Rachel said. It's she's a great player. Um, if she's, you know, she could go too. Um, earlier in the season, there was talk about her going first, but I do feel like this is someone who pairs well with Tierra McCowan. She's able to pass. Like she's one of she's probably the best passing big um in this draft. She can shoot. Um uh, she can knock it down from three uh, from from deep. Um uh, she's able to run uh, the court well. Uh, she she's a tenacious de- defensive player. So that high and low game pairing her in the post with McCowan. I'm worried about the spacing a little bit because those are two sizable bodies down there. But I feel like because of, you know, she was able to work well with Kalani and we all saw how that, you know, how that played out for Baylor. And so moving up, uh, you know, up a rank to the professional league, um, I feel like pairing her with Kalani would be a perfect choice. Um, maybe not start, maybe coming right, coming off the bench as the, the main um, post option there. But I feel like, you know, that could help uh, take Indiana to that next level. Yes, there are the injury concerns, you know, suffered in the final four in the championship game last year and then at the beginning of this past season. But this is a player who's overcome so much already. I feel like she could fit well in this um, this fever system and see what uh, Coach Marianne is able to do. Oh, oh, guys, this is where it gets exciting. This is where it gets fun, because once we kind of pop out of uh, these initial picks, it's a lot more up in the air. There's a lot more questions. Now, I think a lot of people would argue that maybe I should wait until the Atlanta pick uh, to say that. (laughs) But I'm just going to say it now. But let's talk about what Atlanta needs. To me, what Atlanta needs, and this is going to sound ridiculous with the uh, movement that we've seen Atlanta do this offseason but I think they need more scoring and more spacing. Yes, they have, to a degree, solved their three-point scoring issue. And if you ask head coach Nikki, she will talk back to you and say, hey, we've solved that issue. And if you look at the stats from last year, we had people having historically low numbers. So, you know, the ball just wasn't dropping. So it's not completely, you know, sometimes that happens. I still think you double down on what you did this offseason season. And you go for more scoring, you go for more spacing. Uh, Rachel, talk to me about what's going down in the ATL. I think, um, I mean, Kennedy Carter coming out is my initial reaction. I think there's a really general consensus with that. I, I think she would fit well um, with Nikki Collin and just kind of her style of coaching. And, and I mean, here's the thing about Kennedy Carter is she's the type of player who can create her shot more than anyone else, arguably, in this league, you know, especially if we're talking about young players. So we're talking about a player who can create a shot, um, who has that understanding, who who has that edge and kind of that swagger to them um, as a potential player that you 
a franchise player, a face of a franchise. Um, so Kennedy Carter is, is the one that stands out the most with her declaring earlier this week, announcing officially that she was going to enter the WNBA draft. And I mean, here's the thing, guys, like we've talked about four players so far. And in any given year, these are all number one draft picks. So that's the crazy part, at least at least when it comes. I mean, at one point we were talking about Cox being a number one draft pick. This was last year, early last year. But at one point, Lauren Cox was talked about as the potential number one draft pick. So Kennedy Carter, same thing. It's just we happen to have a very, very, very strong top-heavy part of this draft, and um, that that's what makes this exciting. But I think with Atlanta, you're exactly right. They need scoring. Um, I love, you know, obviously you have Courtney Williams there, but can you imagine the combination of Kennedy Carter and Courtney Williams out there in that court together? That swagger, I don't know how – that's a lot of personality um, on, 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 you know, the court together, but I, if you could get that to work, that's a dynamic deal right there um, that's going to wreak a lot of uh, issues with other teams. But I, I, I'm going with Kennedy Carter. I think that's a no-brainer. I don't think there's any way she drops below four in this draft, but what do you think, Brandon? There is nothing else left for me to say. That is the Atlanta pick. The personality, that's Atlanta. The fire on the court, you have Courtney Williams there. And even you have Tip. So, like, that one, they embody Atlanta. I know I talked about Kennedy possibly, you know, going and getting that, you know, park-type um, play in, in, in New York. But Kennedy fits well. She can she can play with the ball. She can play off the ball. She can create shots for herself as well as her teammates. She is a gamer. She wants to win. One, she's exciting. And we all know that, you know, not that we're talking about attendance or anything. Atlanta wants a winner. Atlanta wants to see great basketball. So you get Kennedy Kennedy Carter here and pair her with Courtney and her dad. Like, that, that's that's a game right there. So I'm excited. I don't feel like there's anyone else for um, Atlanta to consider unless Kennedy is gone from at by the time we get to pick four. I, I do kind of feel like potentially, you know, I, I don't think it'll go this way, but there is some speculation out there that Megan Walker could creep up into into the fourth pick with the Atlanta draft mm-hmm. um, or Atlanta's pick. I, you know, Megan Walker decided that she was going to enter the draft a few weeks ago. Um, great, tremendous player at UConn, you know, led, led UConn in scoring this year, just under 20 points a game, um, you know, American Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Hell of a player. But the thing about Megan Walker, I think it's, it's she's a confusing one for me because she could go anywhere from four with Atlanta to early in the second round. And so, like, this this is the one that for me really kind of shakes it up and confuses me because um, I, I don't know how these coaches and GMs are kind of looking at Walker and what she brings to the player or brings to the team and, and kind of mentally, you know, her, her ability and readiness to be in the league. Um, I just think there's so many other players that, you know, we're talking about. I, I don't know if you're Atlanta, you, you, you just, you cannot pass up Kennedy Carter, but I think if there was someone, if we're talking about the order that we've already gone into, which in, in some ways seems to be pretty set, Megan Walker could potentially creep up into Atlanta, but um, I don't really foresee that happening. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to add that in there. Mm-hmm. Rachel, talk to me, talk to me quickly. Carter's weakness, because all we've heard anybody talk about is her offensive prowess, how they call her big shot Carter, you know, how she creates her own shot, her shot, her shot, her shot. Talk about me. Talk about on the flip side. I mean, Atlanta is a team that when when Nikki joined this this staff, when she took over the reins, they made defense kind of their trademark. Talk to me about Carter's defense. I I, I mean, you know, I think that 
she 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 can embrace that under the floor. Um, obviously, she's such a high volume scorer, and and that's the flashy aspect of um, you know her game. But I, I don't see this as like you know we talked about Arike and her lack of defensive presence, and that kind of being an issue with Dallas, and something that no one really reflected on when, during her time at Notre Dame. But I I don't see that as a huge issue. I mean that now that you I mean now the fact that you've even brought that up, I'm thinking in a way that. Um, I haven't before, uh, but she's athletic enough. You know, I she can really bulldog the ball. Her nose is on the ball, and when she wants it to, people don't get by her. I just think that's going to have to be something that you know Nikki Collin is going to instill in all of her players. Um, she's done it every year that she's been in the league so far, um, even dating back to her time with Connecticut. So um, I don't see it as a concern. I'm curious, what do you think about that, Brandon? So I. Um... I was able to see her for the first time actually in person uh, the in the final regular season game. So back in March 1st, um, she it's not necessarily her strongest area um, defense, but she's also just not allowing anyone to blow by her. She's going to at least um, she she's going to defend as much as she can. Um, smaller guards, um, which is hard to believe because um, she's small herself, but um, she's quick. So she can defend, you know, those guards. She can even defend um, but one to two, uh, depending on who the three player is as well. She, can, I've even seen her sometimes, you know, attempting, um, uh, to, you know, in. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is, she's not going to be your all defensive player, but she's also not going to be a slouch if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think she has the athleticism. The the the. Yes. the, the, the you know, agility, um, lateral quickness, all sorts of things to be a, a good defender, a solid defender, not a liability. I, and I agree That's with you on that point. Lateral quickness. That's it. Yes. All right. Let's let's move on to Dallas's second pick of the first round in the 2020 WNBA draft. What do they need? The question we've been asking every team. And like I said before, honestly, like if I'm Dallas looking at it and maybe this is kind of a jerk asshole move, but like I'm looking at what Minnesota wants and I take them off the board and maybe try and work a trade out unless there's another team that comes to me and says, Hey, we want this player. We're worried she's going to be gone. Can you move for it? So Megan Walker is a player who kind of, you know, sticks out to me and makes me go, huh? Or could they be going for more, uh, more of a uh, possible starting guard so that they can kind of steal from Minnesota? What's your thought, Brandon? So with Dallas, I like that idea. I never thought about that. They could possibly go for a guard. Um, Hmm. That that one stumped me a little bit, but you know what? I know what I wrote in the what I wrote in the mock um our latest version was that they'll go with Ruthie Hebert. Um, and I said Ruthie only after uh, Imani made her um announcement that she would be sitting out for um the next two seasons while she's in while she attends law school. And when you think about Ruthie, I mean that's efficiency all day. What uh, she was close to seventy percent from the field, um, and you know they already have. Let's see. So Dallas, in terms of post, they have Christina Nigue. There's Megan Gustafson. There's also Izzy, and then they lost um, Imani. Uh, and so I thought that you know, and you know, if they were to take Satu at two, that would be another big body there. Of course, the chemistry is there if you have Satu and Ruthie. But thinking about it, with Minnesota up next, they could very well take a guard at that position, that position, and then try to make a trade that, I mean, that would be smart. And I feel like if that's the case, would they, would they package that guard that they take at five for the sixth pick 
or would they want another player from the Lynx roster to basically be able to fill a void for something that they don't have right now? Which which is the big question that is, I mean, Dallas holds, everyone was calling Dallas crazy when they stockpiled all these picks. Yeah. And to some degree, yeah, but crazy like a fox because now we're in a position where we're a couple weeks away from the draft and some people argue with me. I just think the value of these picks goes up and up, especially without having an NCAA tournament. And there is much more, you know, question mark about how will this player survive or handle the big spotlight and whatnot. To me, it's a Dallas is just, I mean, if this was the NBA or the NFL, there would be a documentary being made right now about what the hell Dallas is going to do with these next picks in the draft. Rachel, give me some thoughts. This is where it just gets really good. You know, and I think (laughs) I don't want to sound like a broken record kind of just repeating, but I I do think it's interesting. If you kind of pull up some of these mock drafts, pull up um, Michelle Vopel's, she's got Megan Walker going at five. Uh, You pull up Newsday's, someone I just randomly, they talk about Ruthie Hebert. I think Ruthie Hebert is one that is probably the most common across the board. But there is a player that now comes into the mix that I think we have to start talking about, um, Bella Allery at Princeton. And there, we, we, I had done a mock draft with Anila, Ben Dole, and Eric, and we had gone through that and kind of released that. And I was not in charge of this Dallas pick, but they, we had Bella going at five. And I think that's, that's, that's a player that we have yet to really discuss and talk about. Uh, but now I do. I, th- I think it's very interesting. I know Dallas is extremely fluid with this number five pick, um, probably not going to know exactly who they're going to pick until draft night. <laughs> so um, it's going to be fascinating. You know, is this who's left on the board? Um, are you able to package a, a trade type of situation? I agree with you, Brandon, something like to Las Vegas. Uh, that's something to kind of keep your eye on. But um, I, I want to talk more about Bella. And Brandon, I know you have watched her quite a bit. How do you feel about her potentially going that early? I enjoy it. To me, Bella, um, and I went back and forth on that, trying to think of need and where would she fit in best. There's so many teams that she could just go in and thrive immediately. Um, Let's see. If I had to think of anyone, I hate doing comparisons sometimes, but her body frame and her ability when you think of any post player that brings up the ball, brings the ball up court, you think of like Candace Parker, and I won't even call them post players. Just think of, I guess, big guards, if you will. Candace Parker, Elena Deladon. Her frame is very similar, I would think, um, to Stewie's. She can knock it down from deep. She she can block her defense as well. She's quick. She can run. Her like you get ball handling ability now she's not going to crush you up like you know like your guards or anything like that but she can control the offense and so that's what I love about Bella's game so much because you get all of that in addition to combining you know that skill set to some size as well and so you have someone that could with your smaller teams be able to play a post position possibly depending on matchup so I won't be upset at all if Bella is uh, included here um, at this pick. Now, would that be something that they trade to Minnesota? I don't know because of the conflicts with, um, with oh gosh, oh gosh, um, Nafisa, and so that's a that's a similar person to a similar player to possibly um, liking her too. Well, that's interesting. And hearing you kind of break that down and, and what I've read about her, and I've, I was waiting to get on the show so I can put you on the spotlight on this one. I don't know if you guys are aware, but I 
and buying so much stock in Azrae Stevens. And hearing your breakdown of Bella makes me think a little bit of Stevens. You know, a player who is getting attention, who has flexibility, but might not be considered the top, top of the draft, but still someone who has a lot of potential. Yes. Am I crazy for that, Brandon? No, I don't think you're crazy at all. Uh, Azrae was 2018, correct? Uh, yeah. So, and I remember in that draft, of course, Asia went um, first overall, but a lot of people rated Azrae as has, having possibly the highest ceiling in that draft. Um, you didn't get a chance to see as much of it at UConn. She was phenomenal at Duke, still great at UConn as well. Um, of course, her career in Dallas, you know, she was hampered a little bit with some injuries, but I don't think that's a bad comparison at all. Azrae, phenomenal player. She's the She's a dependable shooter from deep. You know, I love, I love the deep ball for some reason. Um, so I do think that is a fair comparison. Look, as as the very wise Lexi Brown said on an Instagram live recently, you know, layups and uh, inside the perimeter shots are cool. But in case you didn't know, when you shoot a three and it goes in, you get one extra point. So, hey, um, now let's move on to Lexi's team, the Minnesota Lynx, uh, a team that I follow very closely, as we all know. What does this team need in the sixth pick of the draft? Now, assuming that you don't see a spite pick or something coming from Dallas right before them, uh, their needs are quite obvious to me. It's a facilitator and it's scoring. Now, you can come to me and say, hey, well, Odyssey Sims now with the delayed season is definitely going to be back and blah, 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 or or whatever it is. And that's completely fine. But as I was talking to Rachel uh, right before we we started recording this episode, I kind of had this epiphany, which was that... Odyssey is great and all, but Odyssey and Lexi are kind of cut from the same cloth in in the idea that they're scorers. They're not facilitators. And the thing that this team has been missing since Lindsey Whalen went missing or retired is a facilitator. They need somebody who can spread the field a little bit, who can feed the ball to the variety of other players. You look at this roster and they're not as bad as everyone likes to make them out to be. You still have the rookie of the year at four or possibly three. You still have Dantas coming in as as a highly uh, underrated player who can who's still really growing and is going to grow more this season, I think, second year back with the Lynx. And then you have one of the greatest centers of all time, if not the greatest of all time, in Sylvia Faust. So if you're looking at somebody um, who this team needs, you need someone who can kind of be a floor general, but also get the ball down to the bigs on the block because that was one of the biggest issues for the Lynx this past, honestly, past two seasons. Um, I have one name on mine, but Brandon, talk to me. Who are you thinking? They need a point guard. And I know um, I know, Lexi has um, made some comments on, uh, on Twitter in regards to, hey, they still have me, something along those lines. But like you said, Lexi and Odyssey are scorers. Um, capable, I know at, at Duke, Lexi was a point guard. Very capable of um, running the offense. But I feel like here... They will take Ty Harris. I feel like, one, her stock has increased tremendously um, this season, basically kind of being overlooked at the start of the season to, you know, I've seen some mocks where they had her at at four going to Atlanta. So she's fallen within, uh, most people expect her to fall between that four to eight range because a lot of those teams very well could have um, either a starting point guard or backup point guard or need one, I should say. So I do feel like right here, Ty would be the best fit. I mean, she has the Team USA minicap experience. So, of course, uh, Coach um, Coach Cheryl has been able to watch her a little bit from afar there um, or even close up. She's 
have ex- she's had experience passing to some of the best bigs in college basketball. I mean, Asia Wilson, Elena Colts, Kiki, um, uh, Aaliyah Boston. So she has that experience, and she can actually be a knockdown shooter when needed. But she is cut from that cloth of she's a little bit more sizable guard. So, you know, she she kind of reminds me a little bit of her calm presence, but can get fiery when needed. Um, like Lindsay Whalen, she's cool, calm, and collected, but don't sleep on her too much. Um, she runs an offense well, so I do think that she will be a great fit here. I have to echo it. And I I, <laughs> I think that she would be such a tremendous fit in Minnesota. I love the idea of... Ty Harris working with Cheryl Reeve. Um, you know, Ty Harris just spent four years under one of the arguably the greatest guards in the game. Um, and I'm a little bit biased because I have personally known Ty since she was a little one. And I've kind of watched her um, evolution over all this time. And the kid just continues to get better. She continues to push herself. She's always pushing the envelope to that next degree. We've, we've, we've talked about, oh man, she can't really shoot it. She's not a threat from beyond the perimeter. Well, you know, she, 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 she kind of crossed that off, especially this past season. So like you said, her stock has continued to rise. She's an ultra competitor. And here's the thing, you guys, I mean, each draft kind of has a position that seems to be kind of what is not trendy, but what is the big position that year? And this is this is the year of the point guard, in my opinion. You know, we talk about Sabrina, we talk about Kennedy Carter, we talk about Ty Harris. You know, we could even talk about Dana Evans, who decided to stay in Louisville. Breaking news as of today, when we're when we're recording. But you know, can you can also talk about Crystal Dangerfield, and we'll get into her probably a little bit later. But you know, this is a really point guard strong draft. And for Minnesota, yeah, they have Lexi. There are still question marks about. Odyssey Sims and kind of the season and what's going to happen with that. So they do have to have a point guard, in my opinion, Ty Harris, um, not just physically what she can do, but mentally it's, a, it's such a great fit. And I, I think it would be a no brainer. Uh, I, I do want to bring up something that's interesting because I think when all of the mock drafts and, and kind of looking to the future started once last season was done, a lot more people, maybe it's, it's just because Minnesota has a history of drafting, you know, UConn players. But a lot of people started off by saying Dangerfield's going to Minnesota. Um, the thing that I'm really curious, and, and I just want, you know, I realize this probably isn't realistic, but I want both of your answers on this. Uh, we'll start with Brandon. If still on the board, Ty Harris, Dangerfield, and Kennedy Carter, and you're Minnesota, who are you taking to take this team to the championship sooner rather than later? Brandon first and Rachel. To the champion. I, I would have to go with the only champion. That's Ty Harris. I would have to, as, right. a, as a floor general, as a leader, I would have to say Ty Harris. I agree. I agree. Interesting. I thought I thought we'd get a little bit of uh well, I don't know. All right, all right. The only reason I say that is because they have offense around them you have files down low you have feasts um you have lexi now you have rachel you have so many offensive players that can score the ball you're going to need that that calm floor general and i feel like crystal as well as um as kennedy they have been relied on heavily for their offense ty not so much ty's been relied she's been relied on for her leadership, and I do feel like similar to Lindsey Whalen. Like, she had the pieces around her to do the scoring. Ty will handle that pressure, I think, the best. 
All right, well, let's move on to the third pick of the first round for the Dallas Wings, who are making a Minnesota Lynx sandwich on Dallas bread, which honestly, that adds even more so to my suspicions that there's going to be some movement between Dallas and Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota moves up one pick to get the player that they want and gives, you know, a second round pick or something like that, or third round pick or a future pick to Dallas in return. And then Dallas can use those next two picks to get someone that they want and trade another one away, maybe to Vegas, like you were talking about, Brandon. What does Dallas want? What do they, uh, sorry, what do they need in this? Honestly, if you're looking at me, Dallas only needs uh, one pick in this draft because realistically, they're, they have so many people on the roster, on the payroll right now, they're not going to be able to sign all three of them. So you have to think there's going to be some movement going on with Dallas. That being said, I'm curious, uh, Rachel, I don't, I, don't, I don't care if you're not ready, but we're going to start with you. Who do you think this team wants? This this is hard, you know, because it's just at this point, so many moving pieces. And, and I do think, you know, all right, what do we know? Dallas has control of the first round. We know that Dallas is still building. We know that they are building around the likes of Arike and, and you know, kind of their guard play is strong, but they need pieces um, you need the best player um, on the board at this point, and you're also trying to potentially make some trades work down the road. So at this point, it's going to be the best player that is on the board. We've talked about Ruthie Hebert. Uh, we could talk about Taya Cooper uh, from Baylor, combo guard. Um, she can, you know, kind of provide some versatility from that standpoint. Uh, she can score it. She can facilitate. She's a, a tremendous threat beyond the three-point line. So that that's a that's a player that I think, in my mind, will end up going, you know, at least in the top eight. Um, but it's probably going to end up being, if I had to guess, Taya Cooper or Ruthie Hebert at this point. What do you think, Brandon? I agree. I feel like if they were to take – the only thing they need, I do feel like, is a backup guard. Um, okay, you have, Mar- you have Mariah, you have Arike. Your, so your guard, your starting guard situations that those, those spots are pretty much taken. They need a backup guard. Not sure how they're going to play Kayla Davis and Alicia Gray. I don't know what positions um they'll be kind of you know uh, maintaining this particular season. But I do feel like a point guard would be the best fit here. Now, um, because they already have smaller point guards, uh, we I know we mentioned. Crystal before is Crystal going to be a fit here for more? I mean, you know that frame. I didn't pick her there, but in like like Rachel, I said that Taya would be the fit here. Had a chance to watch her this past season as well as last season while she was at uh, South Carolina. Her body pro ready. She can. There's no match for if she's going downhill. There's no match for her in terms of um smaller point guards or even two guards when she basically attacks the goal. Um, when she attacks the rim, she can knock it down from deep. Like I'm talking about almost towards, I won't say half court, but you know, she gets several feet behind the three point line. She, um, my only thing is sometimes offense can flow or fall a little flat, depending on how long she keeps the ball in her hands. You know, it can stall the offense a little bit, but once she's out on the, um, the open court, there's like really no stopping her. She plays the passing lanes well also. Um, I think she maybe averaged about two steals a game or so. Like, so she's not a she's not a defensive liability at all. So you know, you you bring a taller body, a bigger body. Like her frame is amazing, and then 
the, the speed and her relentless her relentlessness, excuse me, um, to attacking the basket. I do think that's a great fit here coming off the bench as a backup guard. All right, let's move on to the next pick in the draft. Chicago Sky. Now, if you ask me what they need, Ooh. I would honestly just say that they need backup point guards. You know, at some point, Vander Quiggs is going to fall off. Now, not fall off in, in the sense of being horrible, but they're going to retire eventually. They're not super young players. So you got to start looking to the future and the moves that they've made. A lot of people might say, oh, they got Colson. Oh, they got, you know, all this, this and that. Uh, to me, I, I say, you know, boo hockey, whatever. They need someone to fill that role. And for the most part, I'd like to think front court, they're pretty set as far as starters and backups. When you're talking about backcourt, that's when the ball's kind of up in the air and someone could come in, beat someone out in training camp and make a roster spot. So if I'm Chicago, I'm looking for a backup point guard. Uh, Brandon, talk to me. Crystal Dangerfield. I and agree. I, I, Crystal Dangerfield. She, she, she's fast. She can shoot. Uh, there, we're we're no stranger. I mean, well, Chicago. What? I'm not sure exactly how many threes they average per game, but she fits that mold that she can shoot it. Um, Crystal basically was over forty percent. Um, this past season so you're fitting that there she that pressure isn't on her right away because you have that all-star combo of the vander quigs and you have imagine crystal pushing the offense you have Allie on one side you have diamond on the other you have gentile or stephanie who can all stretch and shoot so there, she has so many options around her she's out of that yukon system yukon and and their production of their point guards are is like is amazing. So I feel like she would be a great fit here. Um, her size could be a little issue because she's, she's probably the shortest point guard, but her quickness and her strength and her ability to basically knock down the shots when necessary. That's that's, I think that's a no brainer for point guards. Rachel, any thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that Crystal Dangerfield's one of the, I mean, here's the thing I love about Dangerfield. She, I just don't think we talked about her enough, you know, and I think she, in my mind, has a lot of like the Jordan Canada effect with her, you know, where people are like, man, Canada's kind of small or whatever. And like, she's one of the most dynamic guards, young guards in the league. So Dangerfield has a little bit of that in, in, in herself. Um, when I, when I, we, we did our draft, um, I had Chicago taking her. So I, th I think it's a good fit. I think, um, you know, as you're kind of talking about the future and continuing to build that. But as I'm looking through some of these other drafts, um, you know, um, Michelle Vopel had Mom Premier from Miami going to Chicago. That's a name we haven't brought up yet. Now, she was talked about fairly heavily um, as probably like a top five pick. Um, her, her stock fell a little bit with the injury, but you know, she's a, she's a hell of a player, six, four with her physique. And I mean, she's like a gazelle and, and just kind of the, the presence that she is, she's going to go in this first round, if not this first round early second. Um, but you know, is there an argument to be made about Chicago potentially, you know, going that route? Uh, maybe even a, a Ruthie Hebert, if Re Ruthie Hebert's still available on the board at this point, do they take a player like her? I think it's possible. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you, Brandon, you know, if I'm a betting woman, I'm, I'm going with more of the point guard position. Um, and Dangerfield is the best available at this point. Well, moving back to our favorite team of the 2020 WNBA draft first round, the Dallas Wings. <laughs> um, they're uh, at this point, you're you're either picking specifically for a trade, kind of like I said before in their last pick, or you're picking, you know, best player available, hoping that they can beat somebody else on the current roster out and have that young uh, rookie contract. 
Brandon, talk to me what you're thinking about Dallas here. This is where I had Bella going at nine. And now here's my thing. I would not be upset if this is a pick that Dallas drafted for Vegas. Because when you think about, I would, I would, I would really enjoy them shipping this pick to Vegas. I won't be surprised if Bill was on the phone with them trying to get this pick. Um, I don't know if it would be for cash considerations because they don't have um, any first or second round picks. Um, I don't know if it would be for another player off of their roster currently, some sort of sign and trade maybe. But Bella, once again, like I mentioned earlier, she gives that Elena Bella Dawn. She gives that. She gives that. Um, that that Candace Parker, that Stewie, somewhat like all meshed into one. Not saying that she's that that superstar level as those particular players, but this is someone who you could have coming off the bench as a three or four. Think about it. Right now, the starting lineup is probably going to look the same as it looked last year. Jackie, Kayla, Kelsey, Asia, Liz. Carolyn has retired. There's still Jisoo. There's talk that, you know, Ty Young may not return to the Aces. They've lost Sid. They've lost um, They've lost Epiphany. So they need more scoring off the bench outside of Dierica and Sugar. This could be a perfect um, pick for Dallas to um, for Dallas to try shopping to um, the Aces, or I should say for Aces, for the Aces to reach out to Dallas about. Yeah, and, and as everyone knows, Bill Ambeer is not afraid to make those moves. Um, at all, at all, at all, at all. The man has no fear, and I and I respect that. Um, let's move on to the Phoenix Mercury. What do they need? They are an interesting one because I think they're legitimately in a situation where they can go, "Hey, we're taking the best one available." I think they are hoping for some some sort of wing, some sort of three four uh, stretch player. Look, you're not gonna fill the void left by the most underrated player in the WNBA over the past five years with Dwana Bonner. You know, like you're not going to fill that void. You've tried to fill it in a variety of other ways and maybe it will work out. But I do think you want to pick someone who has a similar style of play, someone who has the size, but the flexibility, like we were just talking about with that last Dallas pick. So I think that will be an interesting one as far as Phoenix and Vegas kind of looking like they want something similar. Uh, Rachel, do you want to hop in on this? Or do you want to let Brandon go first? No, I think I'm good with it. Just just real quick, I agree. I think looking at kind of like that versatility, three, four, who's left on the board, could potentially be someone like Bella, could potentially be Walker. Um, you do kind of have some players in that position. I mean, we could even make an argument for Mom Premier um, if she's on the board at that point, or even a, a Kia Gillespie from, from Florida State. So I think there's some names there. Um, depending on how this goes, I, you know, if, if I'm Phoenix, that's the direction I'm going because I feel pretty solid in every other aspect. So just want to throw that in there. Brandon, what you got? I agree. Um, I struggled with this one a little bit um, because I said, okay, they're, they're set. Obviously, we know one of the greatest, if not the greatest basketball player um, ever, Diana Taurasi, won't be playing much longer. I mean, you know, she, we wish she could. She's just that good. But eventually she's going to hang them up. So they, over the offseason, you know, with free agency, they acquired Skyler and they acquired um, Bria Hartley. There's There was an injury with um, Yvonne, uh, so I'm not sure exactly how that's going to turn out. Um, so I think they're still set at the guard position. So I do feel like with that loss of DeWanna Bonner to Connecticut, what do they look for? I know they made a trade um, recently, and so they have some more pieces. 
I feel like this would be that versatile three or four player. Me, I chose Makia Herbert Harrigan out of South Carolina going there. And I only did it because, one, yes, the attitude of Phoenix Mercury, I feel like they're a mean team. And not mean necessarily in a bad way, but just you know that they're not going to take any crap. You have DT. You have even Bria Hartley. You have Skylar Diggins. You have Brittany Griner. Excuse me, Skylar Diggins-Smith. And you have Griner. I feel like Makia Herbert Harrigan will present that same type of attitude along with you know, that ability to defend all of the positions on the floor. Because when you think about most post players, there are only a few post players who are above the 6'4 range. So she could very well de- defend positions 1 through 5. Now, she's not as great of a three-point shooter as Bonner because she recently incorporated that into her repertoire. But this past season, she averaged a career high well over 40% of knocking down a deep ball. Um, this is someone who can beat you off the dribble as well. She gets out in the open court. She's a tremendous no-nonsense shot blocker. I do feel like this is a pick that, hey, the Phoenix Mercury could very well be looking at and that they this is someone that, you know, could go in, compete for that spot and, you know, be able to play that three or four position depending on matchup. I love it. I love it. And we also, if we're going to be talking about that no-nonsense and that smack-talking, uh, you know, hard-nosed basketball player, we always got to drop a line for Sophie Cunningham, a friend of the pod. Um, let's <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, to Seattle, and and honestly, the nicest part about uh, the last three picks of the first round is for the for a, a, a rarity that we don't have Dallas's name uh, mentioned. So Seattle, what do they need? To me, they need a three. Like they they're not looking for a starter. They're not in a position that you know they they're not able to take a gamble. They can truly pick the best player on the board because realistically they can happily find anybody to be a backup for any of their positions. Yes, they've kind of tried to solidify the bigs a little bit more. For me, it's interesting, though. You're definitely going to want to fill and add a little bit more depth. If Again, in my opinion, you're going to want to add some depth to the three guard. Um, Rachel, talk to me. I, I agree. I think it's a very similar situation to kind of Phoenix. Um, you know, at this point, we're talking about depth. You're talking about the future. Um, you're talking about versatility and kind of best players on the board that fit that mold. So, you know, people that can kind of play well alongside the Mercedes Russell, um, you know, Morgan Tuck type of situations, you know. Um, you know, I, I agree the three, probably a little bit more than the four, and not to get too position specific, but you know, a, a lot of the names that we've talked about could drop to this point. Um, you know, Ruthie Hebert, uh, Megan Walker, um, Gillespie, you know, th- those types of names I think would all be appealing to Seattle. Um, but, you know, if we're talking about like a really strenuous need, they obviously don't. We, we, they're really strong at the point guard spot. Um, you've got Brianna Stewart returning, you know, so so it's kind of like that little hole, that little gap in between the three, four versatility piece. Uh, very similar to um, Phoenix, in my opinion. Brandon, got anything? I'm upset because I didn't think about the three. Um, they, <laughs> they are pretty solid. Like, they're starters. They're bench. I mean, they're basically, oh, God. So I had my premiere going there. But I, I feel like that I can make a case for if Bella were to drop, they would snatch her up um, as someone to back up Stewie. Um I had, oof, yeah. That, I'm floored right now. I, I can't, I can't suggest anyone. I did have yeah. Beatrice going there only because you know I felt like she could um, be a good backup. But when you think about it, uh, Russell did a really good job last season. You know, she took 
a a nice leap with um you know holding down that uh, that five position and so maybe it could work with um Mercedes and and Beatrice on the same on on the floor at the same time I'm not sure they still have Crystal Langhorn so yeah probably a three would be better right here <laughs> love it yeah just hard it just gets difficult this 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 phase in the game because we're talking about you know the the Phoenix Mercury the Seattle Storm teams that have really strong um, I guess starting lineups, in my opinion, and and we're all are all going to be in the conversation of contenders, especially with the return, um, knock on wood, and then health of of kind of their all stars. So at this point, you know, it is it's a huge question mark. It, it, us, it's, this is just pure speculation at this point as to what these teams could possibly be feeling like they need. And speaking of pure speculation and giant question mark, that is essentially. Anything you want to talk about when it comes to the Washington Mystics and the draft. Coach Coach <laughs> T is notorious for keeping his cards close to close to chest, uh, to doing whatever he can to kind of keep uh his views and his and a little in 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 everything in secrecy when it comes to the draft. So honestly, you know, what do they need? I don't think they're really in need of many things per se. Um yeah, if, if you want to be looking for someone uh, to eventually get uh, the Latoya Sanders torch from her, uh, a hustle big um, who can run if needed, but isn't going to necessarily fulfill the, the, the position needs and skill set of Emma Miesemann or Elena Deladon. If you want to look at on the flip side and look for, you know, a point guard because you got Leilani Mitchell and, and Natasha Cloud, you know, somewhere to fit in there. I get it. Um, honestly, and this is going to be, ridiculous i was gonna save my my uh my sleeper to the end of the show but my sleeper is juicy landrum um and i just uh, you know as everyone knows i only pay attention ncaa as it pertains to 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 w um and i remember watching her in last year's ncaa tournament and being floored by her being floored by her in some few games i watched during the regular season big fan big fan of hers and when it, you're talking about DC, like we are, it's a complete crapshoot. And she is a scorer. She scores. And that is something that has become notorious with one of the greatest offenses in league history uh, with the Washington Mystics of recent. So uh, I'll let Rachel go first and then Brandon and I'll let you guys take it away. Well, I'm just trying to think of the name that, you know, hasn't really been talked about a ton that Coach T is going to go after. And, and I don't want to say that Juicy Landrum has not been talked about because you're exactly on it. I mean, she has been up in some mock drafts. I'll self-admittedly say that I, I she didn't cross my mind, and I don't know why that's terrible because I love her game. I just don't think I was able to watch the Big 12 as much as I wanted to this year. Um so honestly, I, I think that's a really good fit. And I definitely think that Juicy Landrum could go in the first round. Um in terms of what they need, I feel like kind of that two, three, I feel like maybe just another option, a little more depth, a little more versatility and a nice backup in terms of, you know, maybe ability to kind of take some pressure off the point position, but maybe a, a two, three kind of slasher. Um, but like you said, I, I'm with you. I love that analysis, Aria, about just a pure score and Juicy Landrum is that. Uh, Rachel mentioned um, briefly a name that hasn't been talked about much. And that's so funny because for the past few drafts, I've always said that Coach T went with the less heralded players. I mean, when you think about um, Ariel Atkins, wasn't invited to the draft, 
he took her. Uh, last year, he went, and, we, and of course, we all saw how, how that played out with Atkins. Um, I mean, last year from North Carolina State, he took Kiara Leslie. And so earlier in the season, what really got me on the train of how what kind of player could Coach T be looking at is I noticed um, I have Megan Walker going here for a versatile guard, but I feel like if a player who I mentioned earlier, Makia Herbert-Harrigan, isn't taken, that this could also this could possibly be a a spot for her. And the only reason I say that is because he's called multiple SEC games um, and ACC games this past season, and he's always talked about her game and watching her since she her sophomore year um, playing behind Asia Wilson, playing behind Atlanta Colts, and he's always complimented her growth and what she's been able to do, calling her the enforcer of her team. And that was the first game. I said, okay, you know, maybe. And he talked about it again. And I, and I say that because Kiki was one of those players who basically played her role, played it well. She can go off and score in bunches. She could give you that three. And I feel like for a quick Washington team, she would really fit that system because of how she likes to run. Another name, Kayla Charles from right there from the University of Maryland. Uh, Kayla Charles, uh, uh, apologize if I'm pronouncing her name incorrectly. Then you also have um, Michaela Pivik. So it's like you have all of these players who can, one, shoot, who can run, who can also rebound, that right now the Mystics don't really need much. They're priming themselves for a repeat. Yes, it's going to be hard to replace um, Chrissy Tolliver, but add that one extra piece in there so you can go. If Kiki drops, you can get her there in D.C. You could get Megan Walker, who could be that versatile guard. You could get Charles, or you could get Michaela. So you have so many options. But another name, who I, last name, who I feel like could wake some people up is Tynese Martin from West Virginia. She is an athletic player that reminds me so much of just, I would say, I would say Angel McCautry a little bit. Like, I really enjoy Tynese's game. Um, she's, she, she's a physical guard. Um, she experienced a little bit of injuries, and so that kind of hampered her a little bit. But I do think that could be a player that the Mystics could consider. All right, I... I... I appreciate everything you said there, and I, I like the the in depthness. But now it got me thinking, and I'm gonna have to put Rachel on the spot right now. So Rachel, I apologize. I've noticed in this draft, the past two drafts, we've had at least one overseas player that's really picked up some some notoriety, some attention. Rachel, can you give me either say that there's none and give me a reason why, or can you at least like talk to me and tell me, like. Obviously, Sabale, you could argue it, fine. But n- there's no one who's coming from overseas into this draft, and I find that very peculiar. There's going to be people that come over um, from this draft. My personal favorite, I think she, at one point, you know, we were, she was the number one talked about player, one of the top five talked about players in the country. This was early 2018, the, the early the start of last year, and that is Kit Laxa, and she is yeah. from Latvia. She played at South Florida. Um, You know, she was killing it, man. She was out at South Florida getting buckets, killing it. I mean, she has – she was at the top of her game at that point. Then, unfortunately, went down to her ACL, missed the rest of the season, decided not to return for the final year at South Florida. 
which in my opinion was disappointing because she's not on anyone's radars anymore. People kind of stopped talking about her. You know, she, she recovered, she goes back to Latvia. She's been playing, you know, which is that that's wonderful. Um, but she's just not in terms of the media coverage and just kind of the big names that everyone's kind of been talking about. She's fallen under the radar. So I know she's on the radar of, of at least half of the coaches and GM. She's going to be in this league somewhere. Um, in terms of training camp, I know, you know, like a place like, like, like Nikki Collin loves looking at international players and, and that could be a fit somewhere maybe in Atlanta. Um, I could see same, same type of thing, maybe Chicago, because Wade has obviously a very strong presence overseas. Um, you know, you could even talk about like LA. I just think it's going to be very difficult for a player to make an LA roster at this point. They're just loaded. Um, so for me, it's Laxa. Uh, I, I think she's a phenomenal player. I, I, I can't really speak to, you know, her numbers haven't been tremendous um, in, in EuroLeague and kind of what she's been doing over there this past season. So that hasn't helped her stock at all. Um, but I just remember, I mean, Brandon, do you remember, do you remember talking about Kit and kind of what she was doing at South Florida a year and a half ago? Yes, that's the and when you said that, as soon as you said top five, that's so the, the first two mocks I had her. I want to say I had her maybe at either Chicago or Dallas. Um, <laughs> there's no shot that she doesn't like. She can flat out light it up. Um, she she can control the offense as well. Like she was. I enjoyed watching the UConn versus South Florida games because of Kit. Like she's a baller Um, and she's like so smooth with it as well. I was definitely um, disappointed to see her not return for her senior year because I know she had all, um, well, her red shirt senior year. I know she entered the portal as well. So I was really looking forward to seeing who would have, you know, landed her on their roster. I do think that this is someone who could be a fit. And I think if, you know, the mystics are looking at, um, at replacing some scoring, that could also be an option. She gives you decent size as well as the ability to knock it down and not just knock it down. She can knock it down from deep and efficiently. Well, I freaking love what you guys are saying. And I, and I love the, the attention and bringing up some of the, the less spoken about players. And that's all we got for this episode. Sorry, we ran a little long. We wanted to give you a full in-depth breakdown of every team in this draft. Um, as we always say, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. With that in mind, please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do.